Welcome to Uncommon Real Estate, where it's all about finding creative solutions for real estate agents and investors. In exclusive mastermind conversations with some of the brightest minds in real estate, you'll learn how to earn an extra six figures a year. Don't follow the herd. Be uncommon. Here are your hosts, multi-millionaire real estate agent and investor, Chris Craddock and Jeff Safright. Welcome, everybody. Hey, I am here with my friend, Greg Helbeck, who is a stud sales guy, a ninja, if you will. He just used that word, so now I get to use it again. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, one of the things that I am working on for our uh, for our team is the, the most valuable thing you can do is not get more leads and, and you know, just do more, more leads and, and do more deals because you paid for more leads. The most valuable thing you can do is close more of what you have, right? Because you've already paid for it, right? So how do you monetize at a higher level the stuff that you've already paid for? So with that said, I get to hang with my buddy who, yeah, I've known, I guess, a couple of years now. Um, we're in a mastermind together, but yeah, just just a great dude all the way around. Uh, stud sales guy, investor, all of the other stuff going with it. But before we just dive in, I do want to remind everybody why we're doing this show. This show is for people that have their real estate license, but need to move beyond their next transaction, right? Because if, if you just do your next transaction, whether it's a real estate deal, whether it's a wholesale deal, whether it's fix and flip, whatever it is, you're trading time for dollars. So we're helping everybody learn to build wealth. And wealth is when your money works harder than you work. So with that said, I get the opportunity to bring on my friend, He's going to show us how to make more money that we can then put into wealth that starts working harder than we do. So, Greg, tell us. I know this is round two. We've had you on before, but for those yeah. that don't remember the last episode, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. It's always fun to do these. Uh, so, I got started in the business in 2000. I think I entered in 2015, but I really didn't start getting like going until 2016. Uh, I was a young kid at the time, still uh, under 30, but I've been doing it for a while. Uh, so I got started in college and I was wanted to be a wholesaler in New York, which is one of the harder markets to do it in because of the attorneys and all the garbage that goes on up there. So <laughs> I spun my wheels for a while and I started running into deals after about nine months of taking consistent action. Didn't know anything about business, didn't know anything about sales or marketing or any of that. I just was a, a big action taker and I was consistent and persistent. And like I say, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. So ran into a deal and, uh, did an assignment. And then I started doing a few of them here and there. And then honestly, what ended up happening, long story short, after about a year and a half of uh, being really frustrated doing business in New York, I this whole virtual investing started getting popular. Uh, not nearly like it is today. Now it's like normal. But I was like, what if I went into a different market and tried the business and committed to the business? I don't like the word tried because trying is lying. But I'm like, if I go into the, another market where there's no attorneys, would it be easier or not? I started going into Dallas, Texas when I was living back in New York at the time. And this is before cold calling was like really popular. So we found a strategy out where we were basically just taking vacant homes from like these lists we were pulling and cold calling the owners. And it was a complete blue ocean. There was nobody doing it. One out of six leads was a deal. I did learn how to sell like during that time too. So that helped. Um, and pretty soon we were knocking out three to five properties a month in Dallas, all virtually. And uh, we were getting these crazy spreads because we, we had no competition. And like these were vacant homes and a lot of the sellers basically like walked away from the property. So immediately started getting a lot of traction and started understanding more from a high level how to, how to do deals systematically, how to 
operate in a virtual market. And I guess the rest is history. I've been a full-time real estate investor ever since. I've done, you know, well over a hundred deals. And like you said in the beginning, it took me uh, really about four years to start building wealth. Uh, so as of 2020, I started buying rental properties. I just bought a couple uh, over the last few weeks. So now uh, on top of doing transactional real estate, I really like buying rental properties at the right numbers in the right areas, key there. Uh, and it's, it's nice to be able to build up your balance sheet and really look at the equity you're creating and the cash flow versus just these transactional pops, which are great. And I, they will change your life all day long. But at the end of the day, you got to do something with your money that you're making. And I personally like to buy rental properties because I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I don't have to do crypto investing, which is also pretty good. It's something that is already in our core competency as a company. And we can just take the same deals we would have flipped or assigned and just keep them as rental properties. So I've been doing a lot of that recently and I've been uh, enjoying it. But in the meantime, sales related, um, I had no idea how to sell and I was getting leads and I just didn't have a system for converting sellers. I didn't understand you know, how to take the temperatures of sellers and like who was selling today versus who was going to sell in three months. Um, and I just was getting really frustrated. So I started start studying sales and how to systematically sell. And I learned a lot of trainings. You know, I went through a lot of trainings and took my own interpretations of it. And, uh, you know, now I have a team and I've obviously taught them how to sell. So I don't have to sell as much. Uh, I still do some selling, but uh, it's been fun and it's been uh, a great journey because I, I figured I, I realized that when you teach something, you actually learn the most because it has to make sense for everybody. And then in order for it to make sense for everybody, you really have to understand it at a deep level. So I've been very blessed to have been able to do that for the last few years now as well. That's awesome. So let's dive into it. Now, I will say this. You said when you teach, you have to say it in a way that people understand. I've right. been in a lot of classes where that isn't the case. So a good teacher <laughs> definitely has to do that. So let's let's dive yeah. in, into like some of the color by numbers. Um, help us with, you know, I know you do a lot of sales training. Help us with kind of the, the nuts and bolts. If, if we were to start at the blocking and tackling, right? What is the level of, you know, the, the kind of 101 level of sales training that you think a lot of people that maybe have been in, in the sales world forever miss. And, and I, I want to say it like this because of the fact that I think that even though there are some really high level things that people can do to really level up, I think a lot of the times the reason why people aren't crushing it is because they don't master the basics. So can you just go through some of the basics of selling at a high level? Yeah. My favorite one, and it's not talked about as much as it should be, is qualifying sellers to really see where they're at in the sales cycle. So a lot of sales training doesn't talk about qualifying. The, the good ones do. But if you don't qualify a seller, and I'm not saying everyone's going to be a layup and they're just going to sign a listing agreement on the spot, but just getting an understanding for where the seller is in, their, in the buying cycle. So for example, in our business, we have a system set up to where... <coughs> We have an avatar of the person that will sell a house at a discount generally. And our, in our business, we, the first step is that the prospect needs to get qualified. So in our business, there's six things that will generally make a deal up. So reason for selling, timeline, price, condition of the property. They don't want to list the house for some reason. You know, some people, they just, just don't, they don't want to list. It. I don't know. And um, vacancy. So like we see a lot of the deals that we do, there's, there's a vacant component. So in our business, if a, if a prospect initially doesn't check two of those six boxes, if they're usually our deals, they're checking like four out of those boxes, minimum, sometimes five or six. 
if they don't at least check two boxes, we know statistically speaking, they're most likely never going to sell their house at a discount. Therefore, for us to invest in a sales process with them is generally going to be a waste of time. So what we do in that scenario is it's like, you know, you, you, the best, you want to pick the battles you can win. So if they don't check at least two boxes, if they don't have at least two of those things going on, we will simply sell the pro- tell the prospect. And this is another thing in sales. It's like going negative or like reverse selling. We'll say, hey, listen, Mrs. Prospect, we'd love to buy your house. We obviously know you want to sell. But based on kind of what you're telling us, I don't really know if a cash offer would make a lot of sense for you um, because of X, Y, and Z. And when you do that and you, you try to qualify the seller up front and then step back a little bit, the truth is going to come out. They're either going to say, hey, I really appreciate you being honest with me. Yeah, I just, I saw the TV commercial and I, I was just curious and I just want to see what your offer would be. I have no intentions on selling right now. And now you at least know where you're at with the seller or even better, they're going to say, yeah, I mean, I didn't tell you this. You know, I haven't had rent. They haven't paid rent in two years. Like a lot of people aren't going to go off the bat and be like, oh yeah, my tenant hasn't paid me rent in two years. So when you step away from the prospect and you try to qualify them up front, you're going to get the truth. And if it's if if they're like reluctant to share information with you and you start pulling back, if there's really something going on, they're going to start to come closer to you. You know what I mean? And then you can get a little bit deeper in that conversation, build a little bit of trust. And then at that point, you take you take a step in the right direction, hopefully. So let's let's talk about the going negative piece, because I know that's that's a, a piece that one of the agents on our team does at a, at a high level, um, just because you know, we're in the DC area. So we come across people all the time that are um, talking about working with discount agents versus working Mm. with, you know, like full service or 6% or 7% agents. And uh, a lot of times people will, will say to him, well, I'm talking to, you know, XYZ brokerage, Redfin or whatever. uh, Yeah. yeah, The high buyers. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Exactly. And uh, they're willing to do it for like a lot cheaper than you. And and I, I just love it. He says he usually says, "Well, well, why do you want? Why do you want to talk to me?" Or it sounds like if if all you care about is um, is just who will do it the cheapest, then it sounds like that's who you probably should go with, right? And uh, and then they they they'll back off and say, "Well," and then start talking and share <laughs> stuff. Which I'll tell you, yeah. I think I'm really good at a lot of of the sales components, but I've had a hard time with the going negative piece. Do you mind just kind of diving into? going negative a little bit? Yeah. So the thing I like about going negative is that the truth will always come out when you go negative. Like you can never get hurt by going negative because they're either going to be real with you or they're going to start to justify why they actually might want to do business with you. So when you start to pull back, it's like human nature. Like everyone wants what they can't have. Right. So when you start telling the prospect like, Hey, um, like in our business, we, we buy homes off market at a discount. So Hey, it sounds like, you know, you want the most money for your house and there's no way you'd ever sell it for a penny less than what it's worth. That's a, you're, you're basically making an assumption. It's called a, like a takeaway. And they're either going to, this is the key takeaway. They're going to, they're going to either confirm or correct you when they confirm you. Now you're pretty much just getting to a point where you both know where you stand. It might not be a fit right now, which is the key. I'll talk about follow-up later. Uh, and then you can just figure out what the next best step is regarding that conversation. Generally, it's going to be some sort of a follow-up campaign. But when they start justifying why they might actually want to do business with you and they start almost selling you in like a small way, you, you basically buy yourself more time to continue the conversation and put your investigator hat on at a deeper level, right? And they're, they're almost saying like, well, yeah, I get it. I, I might want to get the cheapest commission, but I didn't like how Redfin was just all about 
sending someone out to my house. Like they just want to send someone to my house. They, they don't seem like they're really personal. And I might be looking for someone who might uh, have a little bit more of a personal touch to it. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, that might be something they care about. And now like a little alarm bell would go off in my head if I was a realtor. And I'd be thinking like, that's where I can kind of build a lot of my value up if that's something they're saying. Does that make sense? That's kind of like the whole spiel on going negative with why you can do it and then what happens when they start selling you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are some of the other tools, you know, because, you know, I used to hear this phrase all the time that if the only tool in your tool belt is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of funny and cute, but it's also yeah. trite. But the more, the more I'm adding other tools to my tool belt over the years, the more I realize that that saying is so true that, that literally if, if you're asking great questions, they will tell you how to sell them and you, you can use the different tools. So what are some of the other tools that, that you feel like are really important for anybody in sales to have in the tool belt? Yeah. The most powerful one besides going negative is the power of commitments. There's a few ways that sales trainers talk about it. There's, there's the advanced agreement, upfront contract if you're a Sandler follower, um, setting the stage if you follow John Martinez. There's a lot of different ways you can say the same thing basically, but it's, it's, it's getting commitments from the seller, right? So I'll give you an example. Let me, let me jump in real quick. So for anybody listening here, this was one of the biggest leveling up for our team as far as uh, closing goes um, one of the biggest leveling up for our team when we went on listing appointments, because when we started asking for a commitment one way or another up front, like all of a sudden it got rid of the whole, I, I've got to think about it. I got to sleep on it, all the other stuff. So this is so powerful. Like this is worth the price of admission. Definitely listen up if you're not familiar with it. So, all right, I just want to tee that up. So, so the, and this in our, and the, the off market, well, everyone, if you guys are off market too, if you're trying to get listings, but when you're dealing direct to consumer uh, in the residential real estate, even in commercial, I've done some commercial deals and it's the same deal. Uh, I'm always a big, like when you're negotiating, because this is really where it starts to become a negotiation in our business. So we will get a lot of sellers or prospects who will state that they're, they, they're going to want to do business with us. Oh yeah. I like that offer. Oh yeah. You know, if this works, I'll do that. So what we always do is this, we say, Mr. Seller, if you get an offer from us and you are absolutely happy as a clam and it is everything that you want and everything that you would expect, would you at the end, and I'm not saying we're going to get there, but we might get there at the end of this meeting. We do a lot of stuff on the phone. So it's the same thing, but just via the phone. At the end of the meeting, if you see everything you see from us and you're happy and you know exactly the decision you have to make, are you comfortable giving us a yes or a no? And if it's a no, that's fine. We're not going to put pressure on you to do business with us. We just want to know at the end of the meeting, if you're comfortable just giving us a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And if it's a thumbs down, we're not going to put pressure on you to sell us the house, but at least we both know where we stand and we can take a step in the right direction, no matter what that direction might be. So you're asking, that's like the first way to do it. It's, it's asking the seller to just give you a yes or a no, assuming they're comfortable and happy. The thing I'm saying, the reason I'm kind of saying that in a little bit more of a complex way is because sometimes you're going to get into a situation where no matter what, they can't make a decision that day. Therefore, whenever you present the final proposal, you get the yes or the no at the end of the day. So like, it depends on like where they are once again in, that, in the buying cycle or the selling cycle. So getting the yes or the no is huge. And another thing that this closes a lot of deals for us is when we're close on the price, like we're right there on the numbers, whether it's a listing or it's an off-market cash offer, we always say, if we can do your number, I, instead of saying yes or no, we'll say, let's say you get your, your 85 grand for the property or 385 grand if you're in San Diego. What are your next steps? What, what are going to be the next steps if you're really happy about the number? 
And I want to I want to hear them go first because I want to know that they're somewhat committed to selling, right? So let's say, for example, they're like, "Yeah, you know what? If, if I got 385, I I would move forward." And then you you then you kind of tighten that up. You tighten it up and you make sure that they're actually going to like do what they say they're going to do. So you you kind of repeat back. Okay, so it sounds like if you do get the 85k for the property that you want, you would be on board to move forward with everything, correct? And you kind of get them to say it again. And you like in like a non-pushy way, it's a little bit like, it's easy to say this on a podcast, but when you're like in the, in the field, it's, you kind of have to massage a little bit, but then you want to get them to confirm again. Yes. If I got 385, I would be, I would move forward with you. And now, you know, if you give them their number, they're committing to selling you the property. Or if, you know, the listing, you know, listing is a different thing, but it's pretty much the same thing. You're getting them to commit in advance. So, like, we just got a deal yesterday in Pennsylvania, which is you know not too far from the New York market where we operate, and the seller had a price in mind. And my acquisitions manager was like, "Listen, we can do this number. Can you sign us? Can you sign the contract today so we can open title up?" And she's like, "Yes, I can." And she signed the contract, and we opened up title. So instead of just throwing out proposals, throwing out offers, and just following up with them like you know, as Dan Kennedy would say, blind archery. You're getting commitment from the seller in advance that if you do give them their number that they want, that they told you they would sign for, they're actually going to sign, hopefully. And listen, that's not going to work 99% of the time. It's going to work 75% of the time. But if you are not converting, let's say you're converting at 50 or 60, if you can get that number to 70 or 75 or 80, and that's just going to simply put more money in your pocket. Millie is asking, are you saying that we asked you for the presentation? So for a listing appointment, yes, we will, uh, we will say... Uh, we'll we'll just say the the same thing. Just say, hey, look, we uh, we do a certain amount of listings every single every single week, and we can only do a certain amount because we want to give the highest level of service um, for yeah. each of our agents. And in order to do that, um, we just need to know exactly where people stand. So there's zero pressure um, at all. But what we do ask is, um, you know, at the end of this appointment, we're either get, we're going to give you all the information you need, and we're either going to be able to to fit you and get you what you're looking for, or we won't be the right fit. But the one thing we do ask so that we can give the highest level of service to anybody we work with is that at the end of this meeting, we just, you can either say, no, this isn't a good fit. And we shake hands and we say, Hey, this was great getting to know each other. Hopefully we can be friends or this is great. Let's uh, let's work together. But the one thing that we just can't do in order to give the highest level of service is to uh, just have a bunch of people that are thinking about it. And then we have a, our team just, you know, struggling and uh, trying to keep up with everybody and boom, I'll tell you it, when they say yes, they've already agreed to it. Just like Greg was saying, they've agreed yeah. to not saying that. And so then when they want to say, I need to think about it, they are like, Oh crap. I already said, I'm not going to think about it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you, yeah. Like they, they commit to basically not being flaky and it's nice because at the end of the uh, a meeting, whether you're on the phone or in person, you're like, listen, um, you know, you pretty much told me everything you needed. I know for a fact we can help you. I've done this hundreds of times. The number makes sense. We we can. The numbers aren't going to be an issue here. Um, so, if you got your number, you know, can we just move forward with this? Are you comfortable making a decision? And they're like, yeah, okay, cool. And then you you know whip out the offer and you go from there. So that's another big thing is the commitment. That that just straight up has moved the needle in our business by leaps and bounds. And then the last thing I would say, like regarding commitments, and this is something that I miss sometimes and my team will miss sometimes because it's just, there's a lot of steps to follow is like stress testing the sale to where, you know, we, we get in our business, you know, people are selling houses at a discount, you know, sometimes they're in crazy situations and they make emotional decisions and they have to justify them with logic or else they're not, the deals aren't going to stick. So 
this is very scary. I will warn you, but it will really get the truth out. Once you get a seller to commit, I will always say this, and I'll train my team to say the same thing. Mr. Prospect, I know that we just agreed to buy your house or you just agreed to list your house, et cetera. Are you 100% comfortable with everything we spoke about today? I want to make sure that you are a thousand percent comfortable with, with this decision that you made, just so we can go forward and have the smoothest transaction possible. Because if there's anything that you're reluctant about right now, or there's any questions I didn't answer, or you just don't really feel like doing this, you can rip this up right now and there's no harm, no foul. And what that will do is if there's any underlying objection that's still there, hopefully it'll pull it out and you can deal with it on the spot versus having them call you a day later saying, hey, I don't want to do this. And now all of a sudden you're like, well, what? You agree to it. And then it's like this whole like weird battle. Um, or they're going to 100% confirm and they're going to start justifying. No, 100%. I'm on board. I'm ready to roll. You were professional. I want to sell. Let's do it. And now they're like bought in and they're like, you're like stress. It's called stress testing the sale. And now they have, you have their buy-in, they have your buy-in and it makes the transaction a lot smoother because they basically had an opportunity to bail on the spot. And it's scary. It's really scary because you're like, oh, what if they say like, I don't want to do this. It's like, well, I'd rather find out now when I'm on the phone with them versus having them call me three days later being like, hey, Greg, I know we agreed and the title's open, but like, I don't know, I don't want to do this. And then you're like, oh, it is what it is. You know, then you got to like go, go forward with like some sort of, you know, follow-up or, you know, damage control. So that's another big thing that we do or when we do it, 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 it makes all of our deals stick. And sometimes like there'll, there'll be an objection. They're like, well, I am a little reluctant that, you know, I have to pay for the, you know, and then it's like, you can kind of iron out the details there and then they're not going to be as timid uh, to move forward because Chris Voss always says like, you know, how is what, what is nothing without how he says something where like, just because someone says yes, doesn't mean they're actually going to like go to the table and do the deal with you. So you got to make sure you, you have a roadmap planned out to the, the logistics of that deal. And they're committed to going through the process with you, especially in the retail. And there's things that are out of your control. There's appraisals, there's inspections, there's, there's things that you have no control over, quite frankly. So when I'm selling property retail, when I'm flipping a home or whatever, I know that is, that is a, you know, part of the process. And, uh, you know, I'm committed to, to going through that in order to get my property sold. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So, so Greg, tell me this, um, how can people get in touch with you? If uh, I know we're kind of coming towards the end of the hour, how can people get in touch with you? And what, what do you do as far as, you know, helping people like sell more, be a better sales guy, or even just, just grow their investment side of their business? Yeah. So I got a couple podcast shows out there right now that I'm really enjoying. I have one podcast show called Pave the Way Podcast. You've been a guest on there before. Uh, and we just put out a show every week. Normally, it's going to be an interview style where uh, I take a heavy hitter on the, on the phone or on a Zoom call, and we just chop up their business. We find out you know, why they're successful, what they've done to be successful. And there's always a lot of actionable takeaways from that show. So that's Pave the Way Podcast. That's a real estate business and personal development show. So that's a, a great show for just, just anything entrepreneurial, specifically real estate. And then we got another podcast show we put out called the New York Real Estate Investing Show, which is a specific uh, investing show related to investing in the Empire State, which is a really tough market. Uh, me and Mike Pinter, one of my good friends, we, we host the show and uh, we just talk about the ins and outs of doing business in our local market. Um, and then another way you could do uh, to, to, to connect with me is just follow me on Instagram. We have, a, we have a campaign now we're doing where we're putting out a lot more content, me and my team. We're putting out videos. We're putting out real deal breakdowns. We're putting out real estate lessons. We're doing the TikTok thing. I mean, I don't do any of it, but she, she's really good at putting all the stuff out. I just record the content. And uh, I just try my best to share, uh, share all the information I can and, and help as many people. 
and uh, go from there. Boom. That is awesome, brother. Well, very cool. Well, if I can do anything to serve any of you guys, please reach out. Um, Instagram at Cried Rock. Happy to do that. Um, if you wouldn't mind, leave a uh, an honest review of our podcast. Um, you know, just really simple. You just, wherever you listen, you just click the button, right? You know, whatever it is. And a quick review takes five seconds. Just help us, uh, you know, help us a lot as far as knowing what's working well and what we can do better. Um, and please just feel free to send me anything. If there's any guests that you would like, um, you know, obviously, as you can tell, Greg knows his stuff. If there's any guests or any topics you'd like me to uh to talk through, um, we got a Facebook page on Common Real Estate, drop it in the Facebook page, send it on Instagram, whatever, and uh, would love to just, you know, continue adding value any way that we can. So with that said, Greg, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, and everybody, please go out there, live on Common uh, and crush it. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Uncommon Real Estate. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest mastermind conversations from Chris, Jeff, and other uncommon real estate industry leaders. If you love this podcast, please write us a review. And to fast track your real estate career, go to chriscraddock.com. 